Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. And Derek, man, I don't know about you, Derek, but uh, I'm so excited, man. We got some stuff we're going to plant this weekend and mm-hmm. get some gardens up. Yes, indeed. It's beautiful. I love it, man. You excited about spring? Pumped. I got a little b-ball right. session with my buddies later this week. <laughs> Looking forward go. to it. Uh, my kids are upset the, the sledding is over with. Mm. I don't know. They'll be able to ride their bikes and stuff now, so they're stoked about that. Um, but anyway, all right, enough of the small talk, Derek. We got uh, a distinguished guest today, another guest. We're uh, we're on a roll with the guest, man. I'm really excited. Um, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Yeah, man, I'm super excited to have John Arundel on today. Hope I pronounced your name correctly. Probably should have yeah, asked. Yeah, perfect. Oh, nailed it. Feel great. Feel great already. So, yeah, John's here. I actually found John through Twitter. John, uh, he posts incredibly interesting things very often. Um, I probably found him through someone else who was retweeted, but, you know, that's how Twitter works. Social networks. Twitter know? works? It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Right. You may know me from such Twitter accounts as at Bitfield. <laughs> there we go. Follow and uh, retweet wherever you get your tweets. Yes. Please do. Um, beyond just being on Twitter, he is a... Uh, <laughs> He's a Go specialist, so he, he teaches Go. He'll talk a little bit more about, about that later. Um, previously, he was a consultant, so we're going to talk about his experiences there as well. Uh, we're just super happy to have you on, John. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, John, but for me personally, maybe this is just me and I'm strange. Um, whenever someone tells me something in a British accent, I just assume that they know what they're talking about. Yeah, have that's... You- that's that- a, a large part of my success as a consultant <laughs> is due to that, yeah. I might, I might start faking a uh, British accent just so I know. I sound like I know what I'm yeah, talking you just, about. Just say something like reboot the cluster in a British accent. Oh, and everybody goes, of course. Obviously, why didn't I think of that? So we, we had a number of things we wanted to talk to you about, oddly, pulled from your tweets. So you mentioned that uh, in one of your tweets that the highest level of consultancy is helping by not helping. Can you talk a little bit about that, some instances you've had to employ that or you've discovered that? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I mean, I've learned a lot about how to consult over the years by doing it wrong, which is the only way to learn anything, of course. And there's a terrific book, which a lot of people probably be familiar with, called Secrets of Consulting by a guy called Jerry Weinberg. He he was a software consultant, you know, for many decades, and he boiled down the stuff he learned into a bunch of easy-to-remember rules, laws, tips, and documented in, and documented them in, in this book. And one of them was something to the effect that, you know, what you're really trying to build as a consultant is a self-healing system. If you keep fixing that system and patching it up when it goes wrong, the system is not going to learn to heal itself. And he means the people as well as the software, right? You know, if uh, as a consultant, if every time the client has a problem, you leap in and say, it's okay, I know what to do. <laughs> Reboot the cluster. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, edit your YAML file. Right. You know, then, then great, the client is happy, you're happy, the checks keep clearing, but ultimately the client is not learning to do that stuff themselves. You and, teach the client to fish. Yeah, exactly. But you can't... You know, the, the trick is to know when do they have enough to be able to start rolling under their own power. Um, and that depends on the situation. But I think sometimes it's, you know, it's worth, if you're a consultant or, or anybody trying to help or to teach or to show people how to do things, there comes a time when you have to sort of abase yourself and say, 
actually, you know, they don't they don't mean they don't need me chipping in at absolutely every point. Just let them have a go. They will screw it up, of course, just like I do when I try and do something. Um, but that's that's how they'll learn. It's a lot like children almost, and not to like belittle the clients or anything. <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you're like you're like so proud. You're like I'm look at them riding their bike. They don't need me anymore. You know, like just I know. Uh, yeah. It's brilliant. Ideally, they'd keep on paying me just the same, but right. <laughs> um, it doesn't work that way. Um, sure. But yeah, and I and I had this thought, you know. Um, when I have uh, a client that I worked with, I've retired from consulting now, but um, one of my favorite clients that I had, I, I sort of got the chance to be in on the ground floor and help them build up the entire team in sort of infrastructure, operations, DevOps, all of this stuff, and uh, sharing with them the stuff that I think is important, you know, metrics and monitoring and process improvements and organizing your work and things like this. And I, I kind of just... You know, be so. I just repeat the same stuff over and over again, like every week. Just go through the same things until basically everybody knows it so well that I don't need to say it anymore. And I, and I would kind of gradually stop mentioning things, and they'd be like, "Of course, now will be the section where we review the metrics." You know, and they'd be like, "Great, it's working." Yeah, kind of test them a little bit. Yeah, love it. So, do you find that being a consultant and coming in with an air of authority may be the wrong word, but an air of uh, expertise, they're asking you to come in to help in a lot of situations. Uh, I know this is very generic for the people listening, but you know, software consultancy can uh, is very varied, right? I mean, there's a lot of different things they could ask you to do. Do you find that it gives you um, more ability to uh, make change when you come in as a consultant, as opposed to maybe you're a member of a team and you wanted to propose some crazy new idea? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point. I mean, you're right. It's always, that's one of the things I liked about consulting is it's always new problems. Every unhappy company is unhappy in its own way. Um, uh, but it's always a people problem. <laughs> this, this is another Jerry Weinbergism. Um, it's always a people problem, no matter what they tell you. And uh, tech problems are easy to solve, aren't they? I mean, we can all solve those. Um, people problems, much more difficult. Um, and... In many ways, it's, you know, I have been the person on salary in the company and we've got problems and a high-priced consultant is parachuted in. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, this guy's going to come and he's going to tell you all how to do your jobs, okay? Right. So I'm sure you're going to receive that, you know, <laughs> in a really welcoming way. Um, so, you know, being sensitive to that, having been that guy, now when I parachute in, I'm kind of sensitive of everybody and I'm saying... You know, clearly there are some problems, which mm -hmm. is why I'm here, but we've got to be careful about sort of criticizing the status quo because you're talking to the people who built it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, an interesting point, though, you know, that the to Derek's question, the, the managers, the higher-ups, the C-level people, they're the ones who think that you have this air of authority, right? But the people on the ground... They think you're just like you just like you said some jerk parachuting in to save the day. Yeah, who's this guy? Right, exactly. <laughs> so you're fighting between those two. This is like sort of expectations are high from one end, and you know people don't want to deal with you on the other end. Yeah. So, so I sort of follow a standard procedure, which is to say, you know, when I'm talking to the managers and the engineers, I say, uh, you know, everything I've looked at looks really great. I'm impressed with what you all have built here. You know, it's really good. Clearly, there are some pain points which we can tackle. That's fine. I'm here to help. And then I send the managers out of the room 
<laughs> or out of the Zoom call, uh, say to the engineers, right, now tell me what's really going on. <laughs> so funny. You know, because <laughs> so you know what the problems are and you also know the solutions, right? Jerry Weinberg says this too. He says the client knows the solution to their own problem and they'll tell you within the first five minutes if you'll only listen. My job is then to repeat that back to the managers. <laughs> but this time they'll listen because like, oh, a consultant said that. Right. That's so funny. Uh, we're paying him a bunch, so he must know what he's doing. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's so funny because I, I'm a I'm a UX designer uh, by trade, and you know we do a lot of these user interviews, and um, it's it's always funny what you hear from users when their boss is in the room, versus what you hear from users when the boss is gone. Yeah, too true. Right. And the things that you'll hear from the bosses and how they, they should work uh, and the way that when you go to the, the to the shop floor, for instance, and talk to the people doing the work, you hear something completely different. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's always funny how, how different those two things are. Yeah, and very often, not only does the client know the solution to their problem, they've already applied it in theory. Mm -hmm. In theory, they've set up the right practices yeah. and so forth. The, the trouble is no one actually does them. <laughs> because so there's such a bureaucratic way that they don't actually work. So that's interesting. So what, do you have any strategies for how to take what they have figured out, maybe not implementing the right way, uh, but just take it and sell it as a new way of thinking? Interesting. Well, I found what's helpful to do is that the first thing I need to do is I need to give people hope. Mm. Right? Unless you, unless you genuinely, unless you genuinely believe things can get better. There's no point doing anything. And very often people are in that really sort of beaten down mindset. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, we've tried a bunch of stuff. We, we've we had three or four consultants right. <laughs> and we're still right here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, first thing I have to do is sort of dispel the idea that all consultants are useless, which, to be honest, they mostly are. <laughs> Um, Only if they offer and, a certification. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm and kidding. then sort of talk to the engineers and say, look, I know you haven't got anywhere with management and I know you know what you should really be doing. I'm going to help you communicate that message. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll give some of the, I'll give the management some of that feedback directly and I'll just say, okay, um, I know you want to hear about best practice. So here it is. <laughs> Right, this is what everybody wants. Please just tell us best practice and then we'll know what to do when we won't have to make any decisions about anything or, or think about it, you know. So I just uh, had this this idea. I would love to get your thought. I just thought of this. Consulting is almost like you can't treat it like a traditional war where two superpowers fighting each other with, you know, nuclear weapons. It's, yeah, it's got an asymmetric to, war. Yeah, it's got to be like a guerrilla type war, right, where you have to win the hearts and minds of the population. Right. And That's you right. Also, sometimes you have to destroy the village in order to save it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it to the ground. Um, uh, hopefully save all the lives of all the employees, though. Um, but, yeah, so, like, it, you mentioned this, you know, before, uh, and this is something, you know, Derek and I, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. Software is technically, I'm not going to say easy. Last time I said easy, Derek got offended. Software is straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Software is very straightforward. I type in some 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 keys I'll and I create easy. a function and, and the output is exactly as I typed it, right? If I typed it correctly, it should work. The hard part with software is the people and dealing with all the various personalities and the and the, the tribes and, and, and the organization, right? That's like so true, yeah. the thing that you're mostly fighting. Um, and winning the hearts and minds of those people uh, that, you know, look at you as, as sort of like a who is this guy coming in? 
uh, that's where your key to success is. I love that. That's a really brilliant insight. Yeah, and, and what I try and do is I try and give them a little success, you know, a little taste of victory, like just some small thing. It's like, obviously, there are some things that are going to take a while to change, even if we can change them, you know, some ocean liners are just too big to turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we where, what we can do, and also the biggest things are the most difficult to change, because otherwise they would have already changed. Right. So yeah. where you can usually get some traction is in the little stuff. It's like, you know, let's, if, if you want to build, you know, a code review culture or something, you might not start with that, you might start by saying, let's, let's use version control. <laughs> let's <laughs> use Git, <laughs> you know, just believe it or not, I've had clients where they didn't have that. And wow. so you, you've got to go step by step, you know, introduce these ideas and you, you let them see that they get a little win from this. And then you say, you know, now that you have this, you can do something even better. Kind of the snowball effect of yeah. wins, right? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. Um, with regard to consulting as well, I know that it doesn't always go as planned. And you said that, you know, you got to screw up a lot of different ways in order to get to a successful like place, you know, in consulting. What are some pitfalls that you feel like are pretty common that people can make or kind of easy to fall into when you're consulting with someone else or a company? So many of them. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure there are a bazillion of them. But... Like, you know, do, you have, do you have any that like, just seem like they kept coming up? It kind of took a long time to, I don't know why I'm snapping on a podcast, but here I go. <laughs> um, it kept coming up um, on uh, that you kind of took a, a longer time to kind of realize I think the most difficult thing that most people will find as a consultant is not, you know, knowing the stuff. You presumably know the stuff, which is why you're in this business in the first place. And it's it's not even explaining the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that can be hard, but, you know, if you really understand the subject, um, you should be able to explain it to people. But it, it, I would characterize it as being kind of... The problem is you, you're a small consultant dealing with a large group of people. Um, and as you were saying, it's it's asymmetric warfare. So you've got a very big, very entrenched culture with lots of people who, you know, if, if the culture was so intolerable that they couldn't work there, they would have gone somewhere else. So the fact that they're still here means they're okay with what's going on. Maybe they're not okay with it, but they're, <laughs> they've learned to tolerate it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they've just gone away inside themselves to a place where they don't care how much their job sucks. Um, <laughs> maybe they still hold out hope that it could change, but whatever you, you have to kind of reach all of those people and um, you don't have any authority. I mean, you have a British accent maybe, but you don't have any formal authority. <laughs> British you, accent helps. <laughs> yeah. You can't fire anyone for not complying with what you're saying. You know, you can say you, you've got to, um, you know, you should do code reviews or whatever, or use CI or whatever, but if people don't do it, what can you do? Not a lot. <laughs> Just say stuff to them. Um, and it's hard. Some people are, you know, 110% on board and they can't wait. And me being there is just the extra little spark which they need to say, great, now we have some outside support. We can really do something. Other people are kind of like, well, it's not broken, so why do we need to fix it? And I say, well, it absolutely is broken. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, you know, in, in some cases... Um, you just can't get people to get on board, you know, say, you know, three out of four of our software groups are really loving the new way of doing stuff and they're seeing the wins already, but we've got one which is just stuck and, 
You know, it's become defensive. They see these changes as an attack on them. They see it as threatening. And ultimately, perhaps you have to threaten them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can't. But I think mm. the management has to say to them, ultimately, this is the way the company's going. So yeah. if that doesn't suit you, you might have to reevaluate whether, you know, this is your, whether your career is with this company long term. Yeah, there's that. So, right. Sounds harsh, but and, and it usually doesn't apply to many people. But I think there are always a few. And it's that thing about, you know, if you can't change your company, change your company. <laughs> yeah I've never heard that before I love that um, I'm curious uh, John have you ever uh, seen the movie Office Space I have yeah so when I before I started uh, working I've in lived software it. you've lived it I was going to ask you how often do you feel like one of the Bobs is that something that you <laughs> oh, yeah. it seems like your approach is trying to be anti-Bob but um, I'm, I'm curious what yeah. your thoughts there yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I've been everyone in office space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, man. And I've definitely had a swing line stapler. But, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, I mean, um, uh, Mike Judge was a software engineer, wasn't he? I think he worked at Lockheed Police. Martin. Was he really? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. That's why he knew I did not stuff. know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, it's you know, you, you can tell, you know, that yeah. the pain comes through mm, in the writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely that feeling that like you know the, the culture is not even trying, yeah. <laughs> right? Some companies really want to produce the most amazing place to work and the best software and the best teams and so on, but but are just failing to do that for whatever reason. Maybe consultants can help or not. Other companies just aren't even trying. They they think everything's fine. <laughs> The little dog in the cafe. This is fine. Oh, we're at the fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um, I don't know. It's funny because I, whenever I, I think of consultants, I, I just immediately think of the Bobs. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And um, what would you say you do here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. Office Space is. Uh, it's funny because I, I think I loved Office Space for totally different reasons. And then I'd be, when I when I got into software and I watched it, there was like, I'm like, oh my god, this is so accurate. How did I not pick this up? Probably because I wasn't in software yet, and I didn't realize how accurate it actually was. Yeah. Um, but uh, any, any takeaways? Like, uh, you know, we're making a joke about Office Space, but any any actual takeaways from Office Space? Things maybe not to how not to be a consultant. Yeah, I think that's you know, I, I think there is there's consultants and consultants definitely, isn't there? We all know that, um, and there are people who, let's say, management decides. Um, you know, things things are broken. Even worse for them, the optics are bad. You know, people are starting to talk about how bad things are at that company or it's starting to affect the bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, this is when action happens in a company. Um, and they may say, well, we think the solution is, you know, we'll sort of lay off the engineering group or whatever. Um, but we can't just do that. That would seem harsh and arbitrary. What what we need to do is we need to divert blame from ourselves by bringing in some outside firm who are going to conduct a comprehensive survey and study. What would you say you do here? <laughs> and then having done that, they say, we recommend that you get rid of the engineering group. And the management can say, hey, we didn't want to do it, but the consultants told us our, our hands, hands are tied. tied. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I think that's, you know, that, that kind of bad faith consulting does happen and of course that's who the bobs are um in one sense um 
but I think, you know, the, how how could you recognise a good consultant? One is you send your manager out the room, so you can really talk. And the other thing is he actually wants to listen to you rather than telling you stuff. Mm. You know, remember remember the old Dilbert from years ago where they get a quality consultant in, and he, his job is just to walk around being passionate you know is this quality are we truly focused on the customer <laughs> and Dilbert's thinking great this guy's a spitter <laughs> um john so uh we we only have you for a little bit of time here i want to make sure we get to something that's near and dear to your heart right now i want to talk about go i want to talk about your um your experience here with it what you're currently doing with it and why we should all care about go <laughs> that's not necessarily my thesis though. i don't know I, I just i'm just i just tried to say something go ahead but yeah i mean i, I think you know um i've used about every language you know mm-hmm. uh at least you know my first language was zx81 basic and uh i think it's it's just we've just had the 40th anniversary of the zx81 so interesting a lot of people that age or older <laughs> will recall this incredible machine um but you know, I've used plenty of languages since then: um, Perl, C, Python, Java, Ruby, PHP, and Friends, and many more. And they're all fine. You know, they're, they're Turing complete, so we, we can write any program with them. That's all right. The only question is how painful an experience is it, yeah. and how many bugs are there. Um, and I think I've learnt. You know, for each given language, if you do it enough, you learn what not to do, don't you? <laughs> you, you learn all of the foot guns that are there that um, you should avoid, and you get good at it. But I don't think I ever fe- really felt like I'd mastered any of those languages. I mean, I'd learned enough to do what I needed to do, but I always felt there are some nasty dark corners mm-hmm. of the language that I don't understand, or even nasty dark corners of my programs that I don't want to touch. I'm sure you're the same. Oh, yeah. Um... And one of the things that appealed to me about Go is when I heard that it's so small a language. You know, when you spend a bunch of time trying to learn programming languages, you come to really appreciate this, don't you? Yeah. You go to the bookstore and you see that the C++ books are like a foot wide. Yeah. And it's just, oh, wow. You know, and it says C++ in 24 hours. I'm like, wow, I can't even read that fast. <laughs> Right. Um, so you see the Go book, and it's a slim volume, isn't it? <laughs> you know, this, this is what I like. I mean, the, the the Go book is sort of shorter than the index to the Java book. So absolutely, this is great. I sort, I sort of felt this is something that I should look at, and I think I did what I normally do with programming languages. Maybe you do the same when you hear about some great new thing on Hacker News. You go look at the sample, and say uh, enough about the advantages. Just show me some code that I can look at. And I, I looked at it and went, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. I'm definitely definitely not going to use that, making my eyes bleed. Um, <laughs> which I think just goes to show how careful we should be about our reflexive aesthetic reactions to things, doesn't it? Yeah. Or programming languages anyway. I mean, um, why would we have a bad reaction to something? Maybe because it looks different, alien, weird. But that's expected, isn't it? I mean, if, if the programming language is not very different from the ones we're already using, why bother? Yeah, just go use <laughs> why, the other ones. Why, why would we need it? <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the things that really make a difference 
to your engineering understanding or your software craftsmanship, if you like, is um, languages that force you to think very differently about programming, isn't it? And Go's definitely one of those. And I, I think it's extra sneaky because it looks a bit something like we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. It looks a little bit like C, doesn't it? Or Python yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. But it it absolutely is very different to those. So I think it sort of lures you in with familiarity and then hits you by saying, actually, this is going to work very differently to the way you think. And it wasn't, I can't say it was an unmitigated delight as a learner experience, it was actually pretty hard work. Um, very hard work. Harder than any other language I've ever learned, I think, and I'm not sure why. Um, maybe I'm just unusually stupid. It could be. <laughs> Somehow um, doubt that. But um, I think I just, I, I reached a crisis where, you know, I was trying to do stuff and I was like, I'm smart. I know lots of languages. I should be able to do this. Why, why doesn't my program compile? Mm -hmm. And I just got to a point where I was so stuck, and I like I can't, I can't even find anything on Stack Overflow which solves my problem. When Stack uh, Overflow doesn't have your answer, you know you're in trouble. I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I've tried all of these different ways to do this, and the, the compiler just won't let me. And I'm like, I fundamentally don't understand something about this language. You know, there's something missing in my brain. I haven't, I haven't connected these concepts together in the right way, and it's not working for me. Um, and um, I think it's just that I needed to, you know, the problem is, it's like, you know, the, the phenomenon of max Q in aerospace engineering, you know, there is, as your rocket takes off, it's pushing through dense air, but it's going slowly. Then it speeds up later, but it's going through thinner air, higher up in the atmosphere. But there must be some point where the aerodynamic pressure on the structure reaches its peak. And I think that's what I went through mm. with Go, right? I went through Max Q, where like I was absorbed so many of these different concepts, but hadn't learned how to put them all together in a coherent way. You know, my brain was just buzzing with things like strings and slices and structs and literals and functions and packages and modules. And it's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Someone help me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was trying to teach myself. Um, in 24 hours and what, what I could really have done with in retrospect was someone who already knew what they were doing who could just say you know just calm down you know don't <laughs> panic you you will get this like um just just stick with it um and to sort of stop me heading way down the wrong you know, you ever have this where you think maybe this approach will solve my problem. You spend three months implementing that approach and it turns out you were wrong. That doesn't work. So <laughs> very yeah. awkward experience. So I thought I really wish there had been somebody that I could have called on to just show, show them, not to tell me how to do it, but just to show them my program and say, does this even vaguely make sense? Am I way off base here? <laughs> do you feel like it's, it's the ability to get through that Max Q moment? Because the, sometimes there are many of those throughout the course of learning something. Is that kind of what separates, not separates, that's the wrong way to say it. Is that one of the most important things about kind of learning a new technical thing? I think, think it is, yeah. Or, or let's say, you know, not everyone is a software engineer. Um, they probably could be, but they are not. It's like the way you say everybody could be a writer. Yeah. But the fact is not not everybody does write. Um and there are probably lots of reasons for this, but I, I think one of them 
is not um, it's it's being able to push through that max Q point. But what is it that people don't have who don't make it? Probably not um, determination or smarts or anything like that, is it? I think it's probably just um, confidence is yeah. a big part of it, isn't it? If you feel like you are the sort of person, you know, I've mastered so many technologies in my career, I'm damned if I'm going to you know, fail with this one. Whereas if you're quite new in your career or you're from a background where people wouldn't think it was obvious that you'd be a software engineer, you, you might very much not feel like that. You might feel like, you know, all this time the world is telling me this career isn't for you, but I've been the one saying, no, I think it is, but now I've run into real trouble. Maybe they were right. Maybe yeah. I just don't have what it takes. If there's nobody there at that crucial moment to say to them, no, you know what, you've got this, you know, you can do it. If that person isn't there, I think maybe people just get put off. It's such a frustrating experience for them. They think, ah, I'll try something else. Maybe they, they could have been fantastic engineers if they'd managed to push through that. They'd found somebody to just push them over, over that hump. Yeah, exactly. So that's why, spoiler alert, that's what I do now. Is I really enjoy being that person. Um, I call it mentoring, but you know, you could call it teaching or coaching or training or whatever you like. But that's basically where I think I add value. Is not telling people stuff about Go. They can read tutorials and Stack Overflow for that. It's uh, you know being the guiding hand just at the right moment. Or the encouraging hand to say, "Yeah, don't worry about it. You've got this." And you you've written a bit about Go fundamentals as well, haven't you? Recently, right? Um, yeah, I I have um, a series of books which I'm working on, which is kind of trying to boil down my approach to mentoring. You know, I've learned a few things, just like consulting. I've learned what doesn't work, some things that do work, and I've I've tried to. The problem is, there's only one of me. Right. And only 24 hours in the day. So there's a limit to the number of people I can help have the same kind of exciting and rewarding career in software that I've had, very luckily. Um, so if I if I want to help more people, the only way to do that is through books mm -hmm. and uh, blogging and so forth. Um, and I didn't want to write just another Go book because there are plenty of those of varying levels of quality, as we know if we've looked at them. Mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted to do is communicate why Go is so awesome. <laughs> I figure if I can communicate that, people will be able to, to train themselves. So it's called For the Love of Go is the name of the series. That's right, I love that title. Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a great way to look at it because um, we've talked about this before, Derek, but uh, there's this really awesome uh, quote by a guy named uh, John, uh, is it John Expiré? Experace, I don't remember his first name, but anyway, French writer. Um, and if you want to, he says, if you want to uh, have someone build a boat, you don't teach them how to build a boat. You have them long for the sea. Yeah. And I love, I love that. that. You know, I've had like, that in my quotes file for a long time. Oh, it's such a great, I love That's it. Great. It's just teach them the long for the sea and they'll, they'll figure out how to, how to get that boat built no matter what happens to them. Yeah. And it, it ties back perfectly into what we were saying about consulting, doesn't it? Yep. Because it, you, you can tell people what to do. Sure. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the fundamental things, the fundamental reasons why they weren't doing the right things in the first place, which is that maybe they didn't know that's what they actually wanted. I often think, you know, as a consultant, the client would have a very clear idea of what they want, but it would be the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I could just deliver it to them, sure, and cash the check, that's okay. Um, but I think a better approach 
is to understand that the consultant's job is really to get the client to want the right things. So, Jeremy, um, this this was one of the most delightful conversations uh, I've had in a long time, in in podcasts or otherwise. And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, Good one. So, Jeremy, I don't know if it's time, but I think it might it's be time. time for some this or that. Let's do it. All right, John, are you ready for a little a little segment of the show we call this or that? I'm as ready as I can be. All right, sounds good. All right, so um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask you a series of questions. I'm going to set a timer for just a little bit here. And what I want you to do is just answer as fast as you can. I don't want uh, no thinking or anything like that. I just want you to just say, you know, this or that or whatever, okay? Yeah, I won't be doing First that thing. because I'm an engineer. So I'm just saying, <laughs> what exactly do you mean by it? Yeah, yeah. You just, just, you just do whatever you need right. to do, John. Don't listen to Jeremy. Yeah, clarify right. your terms, man. <laughs> All right. Um, great. All right. Let's get started. Um, let's see. Uh, first up, dog or cat? Are you asking if I'd be a dog or a cat or if I'd uh, have a dog or a cat? It's open it's to a interpretation. <laughs> so, what do you um, think? <laughs> there's, there's a saying that dogs have owners while cats have staff. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> cats are definitely the boss, aren't they? So I would be a cat. And You'd I be would, a cat. Would you? I would, uh, I would have a cat. I would be on a cat's staff. <laughs> just need someone to open the cans for them, don't they? That's right. That's, and occasionally just pet until they are fed up with you and, and walk away. Yeah, smugly. Um, all right. Netflix or YouTube? Uh, definitely YouTube. All right. Phone call or text? Definitely text. Text. Okay. Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone all the way. IPhone. All right. The, the next question, I probably know the answer, but Mac or PC? Definitely Mac. All right. IDE or Notepad? Ooh. Um, VS Code. VS Code. All right, next both. question was going to be... You decide which one that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of both. I like that. The next question was going to be Visual Studio or IntelliJ, but it sounds like you have an answer. Yeah, I think we that. covered that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, form or function? Um, I would like form to follow function. All right. I've spoken like a true uh, engineer. All right. Uh, high tech or low tech? Uh, appropriate tech. Appropriate tech. You know what's funny? We asked this question a bunch of engine. It's surprising how many people will say low tech, and and you think like everybody, oh high tech, high tech, or software engineers. But so many people are are sort of like maybe there's like some pendulum swinging to the other side. All right, here we go. Next one: um, Star Trek or Star Wars? Something very near and dear to Derek and me. Um, original Star Trek. Original Star oh. Trek. All right, Derek. That's my guy. Actually, no, Blake uh, Seven. Blake Seven. What is that? That's a British show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> writing it down. Writing it down. It, All right. it was well, our answer it? to the original Star Trek series, okay. but on Kidding. a much, much smaller budget. Oh, Derek, we need to look it up. Man. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, you're missing out. Yeah. All right. We're missing out. All right. Speaking of missing out, um, American football or real football? Um, neither. Neither. Okay. Common um, answer. Definitely not a sports joke. Not a sports jog. Okay, good. Good to know. Neither way. <laughs> we just we asked that question because it's funny. We call ourselves football, but there's no foot involved. Um, yeah, it's not I know even just enough. I know just enough to uh, pass in a group setting and say, "It's like, how about that local sports ball team?" Yeah, right. Sports ball. <laughs> um, Derek and I always joke about how I'm I'm, I'm not a football fan. I will only watch you know the Saints when they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. All right. Where, where do we leave off? All right. Next one. This is a good one. Love or money? Ooh. Definitely love. Love. All right, good. All right, here's a good one. Uh, Bob Slidell or Bob Porter? 
I don't know who either of those are. Oh, so. they were the Bobs from Bob's Space. <laughs> and to pick a Bob. That's such a weird question, Jeremy. That's so weird. Bob or Bob? Okay, we'll pass. Pass on that it's one. It's great. I, I definitely love the fact that you you know that movie so well. Uh, I had to Google it before. <laughs> Jeez. I'm telling you. I, I actually do remember Bob Slidell only because uh, we, we grew up in New Orleans. Um, and there's a city outside of New Orleans called Slidell. So that's the only this reason true. I know. <laughs> this is true. He's not lying to you. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Whiteboard or chalkboard? Ooh. Uh, I like whiteboard. Whiteboard. All right. When um, I was very small, my dad used to bring me to work in his office, and he used to draw pictures on the whiteboard. Oh. Nice. Yeah. It's uh, Nobody really has chalkboards anymore anyway. I guess chalk is just so messy. Um, all right. Um, ninjas or pirates? Um, they're both quite antisocial, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't want to encourage either of those. Neither one. Okay. Uh, coffee or tea? Um, I think coffee. Coffee? But, um, really? British person yeah. says coffee. Okay. Um, no, I'm kind of like coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Yeah, why there not? You go. Okay. I yeah, love you've it. got to have a system. I've uh, never actually ha- been to like a tea a tea time or anything like You're that. You're in one right now. Uh, tea time. Is this tea time <laughs> yeah. technically? Is it too late for tea time? It's uh, I don't know what time it is in the UK, but I yeah, guess it it's is high late. tea. Yeah. High tea. Okay, good. Um, we actually, um, my my kids went to school with a, a little girl whose dad was from the UK, and um, we always we always joked about about tea. Anyway, yeah, it's it's good stuff if you put enough gin in it. <laughs> <laughs> in your tea, I guess in your in your tea. Um, all right, I think that was the last question. Where do we leave off? Tea or was it coffee or tea? I think, that was I think it. so. Yeah, we're done. That was enough time anyway. Timer was up. All right. Well, that was it. John, thank you so much. Um, Derek, you got anything else? I'm. I think I'm out of a. I just want to say, right first now. of all, I hope that um, you know it, it's it's end of the Monday your time. You're avoiding the case of the Mondays today. Um, we know we learned today <laughs> that Jeremy he loves Office Space. He loves it so much that he um, <sighs> he knows space. the names of the Bobs, um, which is <laughs> impressive. Go watch Blake yeah. Seven. And uh, go pick up um, for the love of Go. Um, for the love of Go, Derek. and we'll link we'll link all the things related to John in the show notes. And Jeremy usually says this, but I'm going to do it today because I'm doing go it. Go for it, um, do it, baby. You can also use our website to get stickers. We have new stickers now. Um, yeah. And check them out. Stickers are fun. Check them out. And uh, Derek, what's the website? RetroTimePodcast.com. Don't go.net. Don't go.net. Don't go to that. Where do you get the stickers? <laughs> Retrotimepodcast.com slash stickers. Yeah, that's it, baby. That's oh, it. I guess. All right. All right. And uh, check us out on Retrotime at on Twitter at RetroTimePod. Uh, check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, all that stuff. And uh, like or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, Derek, what what happens if they write a five star review? I'll write you a song. Derek will write you a song. It's true. I'll and, do it, and, and uh, we'll play it on the air. Anything before for our listeners before you, you go? Want to plug? No, it's been a terrific conversation. I've really enjoyed it. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh. I hope to return to the show in 100 episodes time. <laughs> well, hopefully we have. If we're <laughs> still see how around, you're getting on. If we're still around in 100 episodes, uh, we'll take you up. On we'll that be offer. wearing top hats and have British accents by then. That's right. And I'll <laughs> say on top it. of the I'll world. Say in it. Brilliant in it. Quite a bit. I need to say brilliant more. I'm going to start saying. <laughs> 
Oh, it's brilliant. Jeremy takes one thing away from this whole thing. He starts saying brilliant. (laughs) Great job, Jeremy. Great job. And that's it. That's it from us. Until next time, everybody, uh, take it easy, and uh, you'll hear from us soon. (laughs) All right, John, take it easy, man. Thanks again. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks again. I'll I'll see you on Code Club. You got it. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers? That's it, baby. That's oh, it. I guess. All right. Yeah, I know. Wait till you find out we used to be in charge of America. <laughs> this stuff's going to blow your mind. <laughs>